HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to In The Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and I am going to get right into it today. I'm really excited. I have one of uh, my friends from the restaurant industry who I have known for quite some time now, back when she used to live in New York City. Um, now she runs the wine program for the Spiaggia complex of great restaurants and cafes and um, over in Chicago. Uh, she, in 2016, was a food and wine uh, sommelier of the year, one of the sommeliers of the year, 2016. She won the Rudd Scholarship or the Rudd Award for the top score of her advanced sommelier exam through the Court of Master Sommelier. She has worked with some of the best chefs in the country, including Thomas Keller and Greg Kuntz and Gordon Ramsay. And now she is with uh, uh, Spiaggia and running the program there. Her name is Rachel Lowe. She is my friend. And I'm, I'm really excited to get into this with you. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. And your your wine list is just awesome. I look at it and it's like all of my favorite wines uh, as well. Um, but we met back uh, in the uh, when you were doing the NYU Food Studies program and I was doing that uh, too. Um, did you find that that was something that was useful for you? <laughs> you don't... <laughs> Um, it was useful in a lot of senses in that it got me to New York City yeah. and um, opened my eyes to, I mean, I worked in a lot of restaurants, as you know, um, while I was going to school there and met some great people, including yourself. Um, some of the classes were really great. Uh, Fabio, for example. Oh, the best. Fabio Parasecoli. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Um, and then some were less than great. I mean, I think it was a, it's a program that was still in developmental phases and um, we were kind of the, the very expensive guinea pigs. We were. We were. It's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great experience, but I think it's probably fine-tuned 
order and, now. Okay, That's you funny. worked at some great restaurants in New York. You worked at, uh, uh, with Gordon Ramsay. What brought you over to Chicago? Why did you make the move uh, back to the Midwest where, you, where you're from? Um, you know, yeah. I, I really I liked Chicago. I missed Chicago. I was ready to leave Napa at, the, at that point. Um, so I ended up working uh, my way back and getting... Oh, that's right, because you stopped in Napa first. Yeah, I moved... Before. Yeah, okay. exactly. I was in Napa for two years after New York, um, and then moved back to Chicago in 2010. And so. you worked uh, for a little while at the Trump Hotel? I was the beverage director <laughs> at the Trump Hotel for two years. Do you keep in touch with some of the people there? <laughs> um, I, you know, so I do. How I, do they feel? <laughs> everyone's long gone that I know. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, and or one foot out the door. So yeah, I don't really, I don't. Know I've never been to the Trump there. Hotel, Chicago. Is it is it like gold plated and marble and? It's pretty blingy. It's pretty blinged out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a beautiful property. Yeah. the rooms are awesome, but I'm glad that I'm no longer affiliated. <laughs> yeah, I mean that must be t- there must be like really good people who actually work, you know, but I have to like be reminded every day when they get to work. Yeah, I um I think that there's been a decline of atten- like people booking rooms and stuff from what I understand, mm. and they actually. Just lost um, Thomas Lentz, their chef. To, he moved to Detroit um, to start a property there, which is pretty cool. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I have a lot of friends from Detroit. I was about to do a bad Detroit joke. So. No, <laughs> it must <laughs> be bad if you're moving cool. to Detroit. No, and, there's uh, it's up and coming. Yeah, there's I hear a lot. Detroit has a lot of cool things going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, okay, so now you're like looking over this incredible and imagine this amazing uh, Italian focused wine list. Um, I, I, it's, what I love is that you're able to go really deep yeah. into into different regions. You have, um, uh, uh, you know, in the great Italian spirit, you have a lot of outstanding uh, champagne. Um, yeah. And it's actually the first list that I've ever seen that has broken out the sub areas of Sicily, which mm. I think is super cool. Yeah, um, we do that. We break down the regions of Brunello, which the consortium doesn't really stand for, but um, the yeah, producers you don't see really that even. Yeah. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun. I mean, I inherited the list is thirty three years old, so um, a lot of it is accumulated throughout the years. I can't take credit for all of it, but um, but I like adding to up-and-coming regions like Sicily and Sardinia and the south um, and expanding it as best I can and then obviously just the champagne is awesome too all mostly growers um, and yeah I mean that's Piedmont is one of the biggest champagne drinking regions in the world which is funny awesome so yeah um, and what did you do when you when you came on like where were where are the like Rachel kind of signatures in in the list How did you, what changes did you make um, well I wanted to be careful and respect the heritage of the restaurant so um, you know like I said expanding some of the cooler up-and-coming regions that way um, the pairings for the tasting menu I do global pairings now instead of all Italian um, so I usually try and feature a different country with each course. So right now we have a British sparkling rosé for the first course, for example. Um, That's cool. I fun. just read that this year there's going to be a million vines planted in the UK. Yeah. A million vines in this year. It's, it's, it's insane. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the sparkling wine I'm featuring is a Digby, and it's um, really kind of interesting. Like, they're making it in southeast England, and... It's really good. Um, so that's kind of a fun thing. But then we are offering um, high-end Italian pairings as well. So you can always get Italian pairings. Um, and then in the cafe, we went from an Italian wine list to a global list. Mm-hmm. So um, I started with featuring mostly uh, female winemakers there, but now I've just kind of expanded it to feature wines I just like. <laughs> so And maybe that is like, that is... Uh 
the more modern thing because it, in in a way uh i don't know if you have any thoughts on this but i feel like saying female winemaker and i think this was like a big conversation recently where um you don't say like female doctor right like you just no. assume that's like they're a good doctor or they're not a good doctor regardless exactly. of the the gender yeah um but i find a lot of i i tend to like gravitate towards a lot of like the women in in italy sure. like elisabetta fordori and elena pounce and giovanna morganti uh, and okapinti yeah, like they're just Right. like one after another like amazing so winemakers great. they're awesome um so i mean it's just supporting strong cool people mm-hmm. more or less so that's more what i developed it towards at the end or now yeah but so your list oh at spiaggia is like 90 percent plus italian and then some internet how do you choose the international like how do, what's going to complement the that italian um, it just depends. What's really cool with the team is that they're very collaborative. So mm. when we're developing a new tasting menu, um, I work with Chef Joe and Tony um, really in depth where we taste the dishes. We bring out like a four bottles of wine that we think might work. And we sit down and talk about it. By the way, it. I just love the fact that at like a Michelin star restaurant, like four stars from all the Chicago papers and all that, and James Beard were nominated. The chefs are Joe and Tony. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> As totally. a as a Joe, <laughs> they're the they're. It awesome makes me feel too. good. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're probably. I mean, I've worked for a lot of chefs, and they're probably the, the best chefs I've ever ever worked for. I mean, they're the nicest. They're the coolest team, and and also the most inclusive. And in, in that we work so collaboratively, it's pretty awesome. What what is that like working collaboratively with? Are they like they're working on a dish, and they like you taste it along the way and give feedback and open up some wine is that kind of yeah and um we yeah we open several bottles we're we're like yeah this works this doesn't um usually joe and i have to hash it out because i'll be like no this this dish needs to go after this dish because it's not the right progression and he yells at me and then usually does it anyway (laughs) it's 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 a fact (laughs) um but they're great i mean we we work really well together i've been there about three years now and i the team has never been better. So amazing. Awesome. Yeah, I was trying to. I was looking through your list and like trying to figure out like what your your point of view, your style is, and I think it's just good wine um, because I'm looking. There's it's all over. Like there's just like um, like really quirky, like really cool stuff and just delicious clean pure stuff do you do you have like a theory for i think it's just good wine you just like good wine i just like good wine How, whatever style yeah. it's made in yeah and i mean people have asked me like what's your favorite wine and, and actually last night even they did and i'm like it's what's just what's in my glass right now like or what of the week like i i can't i don't think that way about wine i just think it has to be tasty and i'm fine with it you know yeah i'm fine with that too and on that <laughs> note we're just gonna take a quick break we'll be back with more rachel Lowe of spiaggia restaurant Thank you. I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine? And how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? 
The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes, feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese American chefs, and try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cookie machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org. All right, we're back with Rachel Lowe, the wine director and sommelier of uh, Spiaggia Cafe and the James Beard Award-nominated Michelin-starred Spiaggia restaurant uh, in Chicago. Um, I was saying before the break about how much I love your taste in wine. I just see all of my favorite wines on on your list. But one area on your list that you go kind of deep on that I just can't get behind is Amarone. Did you know what I was going to say? No, no. It's Amarone. Yeah. I don't I'm not a big Amarone fan, but you guys, you go pretty deep on it. Tell me like should I should I like pay more attention to Amarone? Um not necessarily. I mean the the thing is the thing is is the the, the main wine sales I would say predominantly go Piedmont, Tuscany and Veneto. So um, people love Amarone and we do have a lot of business gentlemen coming in and spending money on wine and a lot of people gravitate towards Amarone. So um, I like Amarone. It's, is it my favorite style? No. Um, but I think it's it's great wine. So, And actually, I was just in, in Verona and Veneto. So, um, oh, did you go for Vin Italy? No, I was there um, with Bertani. Um, so uh-huh. it was kind of an in-depth kind of seminars and stuff. Do you have a new Malagello. love and pa- a new, at least appreciation for, let's yeah, say? I'd say, yeah, it's a, it's a quite an appreciation for. It was really mm-hmm. neat to see the terroir. Um, how Lake Garda affects everything over there, um, and get to know the winemaker Bertani, and you know it was it was really cool. What um, was the oldest? Because they have they probably have some pretty deep libraries. We tasted back to the sixties. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was neat, but and the wines age really well. Those mm-hmm. wines are really awesome, and to hear the winemaker talk about how he's kind of pulling back on their style mm. rather than getting more um, pasito, if you will. Uh, it was it was neat. He's really he's a really good guy. So that was cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. Fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. Amarone's not my favorite favorite style of wine. No, but I mean, it would be wrong of you to withhold it from people who are willing to spend a lot of money for it. That's true. I mean, and there's <laughs> there's Del Forno and Quintarelli and like some of the you know. And those are actually great ones. Those are pretty awesome. Um, we just had a Del Forno seminar with uh, the Sun, so it was. That was really neat tasting all of those wines. That's you see, that's probably the the most revered Italian wine that I know the least about is Del Forno yeah. Marone. Yeah, I've, it's, I've just uh, been closed minded to it, and maybe totally unrightfully so. Huh. Um. Yeah, unrightfully so. Unrightfully Joe. so. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you telling me that it makes <laughs> makes me want to now explore it a little bit more. It's it's cool, and, and what was interesting to hear was that it's just basically. Their father, the two mm-hmm. sons working in the winery, they don't let anybody else touch anything on the property. Um, and it's just going to probably continue to pass down through their their heritage forever. <laughs> um, so, that's pretty cool. It's cool. Unlike with Quintrelli, it seemed like there was maybe some uh, chance that it, it might not continue to go on. And so I think we were all yeah. like waiting with bated breath to see what happened there. Yeah. But 
Luckily, I think they sorted that out. Yeah, I think so, too. Now, one area on the list that you go deeper than most places that I'm also really excited about is in Abruzzo. <laughs> seems like you have something of a love for uh, for Abruzzo and for Cherisuolo. Yeah. Um, well, Valentini, specifically, is one of my favorite producers. Um, I think the last time we were in uh, New York, uh, I was lucky enough to have an 07 Trebbiano from Valentini. It's amazing. Those wines are just insane. So cool. I I'm going to. I, it's hard to say like the greatest, but I would put that like Valentini Trebbiano. I'd say yeah. right now I'm feeling like it's the greatest Italian white wine. It's it's. Do you it's, have any other contenders pretty, to go along with it? Up there, yeah. No, I mean because you know the Chardonnays that big producers are doing, they're, they're fine. But like, there's nothing in texture or weight that like that stands up to. Yeah. That I wouldn't say, and the cherry swallow, the kind of rose, right. is amazing too. Those wines are kind of like ethereal; they're insane. And you know, and uh, on the Spiaggio website, maybe part it seems like maybe it's part of your uh, mission statement is that uh, great wines have some level of durability too. Sure, right? absolutely. Um, yeah. They're not just pleasurable, but they they can last. And that Valentin is a Trebbiano that's ten years old and is youthful, and the Cherisuolo. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Well, and uh, similarly along same lines, um, Pepe, Medio Pepe, those wines that they, they sit on, they release back vintages for decades, and they are, speaking of durability, they're they're amazing and complex and age it so well. Like the Pecorino, even whites and things like that are, are awesome, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, are, so are, are people... Like willing to drink, like what is your clientele like? Um, other than the business gentleman who wants the Amarone, are like, are you able to? I mean, that's always something that that's challenging. Uh, is that sometimes when people, I found that when people want to spend money on wine, they don't, they they're not always necessarily able. They, maybe they don't want something like Valentini Cherisuolo or no. Emilio <laughs> Pepe Pecorino or something like that. Yeah. But then, like the maybe the more wine geeks who really like would love to drink those wines can afford them yeah um they're i can't say i sell those wines very often um they sit on the shelf but you know i i find that when you get a a younger couple in for example that doesn't know italian wine but they're open to a conversation um i find that it's easy to sell them sicilian wines for example Mm. because like nirello mascale say say etna wines um i think that they have the same kind of texture as pinot noir grenache and people can find that comforting um, so it's it's easy to kind of cross sell that kind of a region with people who don't know yeah. Italian wines. That makes total sense. Yeah, and the quality there is just bonkers right now. It's yeah, it's awesome. Is there a place in Italy that you feel like strongly about that maybe other people are kind of ignoring, or some some wines or grape that you're kind of getting behind? Because like the Norello Mascalese is kind of having a moment right now. It is. It's it's in it's more in vogue than it used to be in. I'd still say it's still up and coming, but mm-hmm. it's definitely becoming a uh, darling. Um, Sagrantino, I mean, I wish I could sell it more. Mm-hmm. I know it takes years to age, but it's it's something that I feel people could have an appreciation for, um, especially party. I, I've been really become a fan of a Sagrantino. Sagrantino. Party. It, uh, yeah. Oh, is, see, I'm learning things. I love it. <laughs> um, I don't know this one. So it's so good, and it's, it's this current vintage is 2011, and it's still drinking it very accessibly now. So I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's cool a very region. tannic. Is it very structured? No, usually, Sagrantino is, but this yeah. particular wine is really just kind of lush and delicious. It's amazing. So that's a good region to think about. Mm. I don't think people do. 
I don't think they. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I feel like w- with Umbria, it's like when you bring it up, people are like, "Oh yeah, Umbria, it's right. awesome." But then like they don't actually drink the wines or have them on the list so much. Right. So that that makes total sense. Yeah. Or I mean, Alianico, things like that. People don't usually just gravitate towards them, but when they do drink them, I think that they tend to like them a lot. Yeah. So, so it's just having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then likening it maybe to something that's familiar. Because I, I think that that's the big problem with Italian wines. People find it intimidating because they don't know. There's so many grapes that yeah. are unfamiliar to people. That's true. It's it's hard. It's And, and then there's like the synonyms or there's like yeah. something. Uh, you know, I, I make a little bit of Cherisuolo. And even like I'll bring it to a wine director and they'll be like, oh, so it's it's Nerodavola. Like, no. no. So even like for people <laughs> in the industry, it's it's hard. The same thing with Montepulciano. Like, yeah. oh, so it's Sangiovese. Like, no, this is actually the great nope. Montepulciano. <laughs> Montepulciano. Yeah, or, or like, yeah, Nebbiolo is Pico Tendro in one place, Givinesca in another. It's like, gets very confusing. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a tough it's a tough country to learn. So what are you doing while you're in New York? You were, you came here for a James Beard event. Yeah, we cooked at the James Beard house last night, um, which was really great. And we we teamed up with Ferrari, um, so there was a sparkling wine paired with each dish, which was awesome. Um, Ferrari from Trento, not yep, the Trento Dac, not the F twelve. No, <laughs> yeah. um, amazing sparkling wines. I think some of the best outside of Champagne. Um, and yeah, and then other than that, we're just kind of eating and drinking our way around. So, as someone who's lived in New York and uh, is back, are there like some places that you like? You're definitely hitting up. Like, oh, I really need to go back to Casamono or you know, I, know. I miss Casamono. That's a Casamono. good call. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I I did that the last trip. This is now kind of where we're all hanging out and going where the chefs want to go and exploring together oh, nice. as a group, which is really cool. I've never eaten here, for example. You never eaten at Roberta's? No. So. Oh, you're in for a treat. I know. I'm, I've heard amazing things. That looks really good right there, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might I also re- recommend stopping by the Four Horsemen. I've heard in Ten Bells, too. I supposedly is really yeah. cool. But um, Four the Four Horsemen has awesome. the food to match the okay. wine, too. Like, their awesome. food is excellent. Chefs will... Chefy chefs will be excited about it. So maybe, yeah, I mean, I know Chef Tony loves Four Horsemen. So. Oh, he does? Okay. Yeah, he talked about us going. Is it at Lower East Side? I don't even know where it is. It's in Williamsburg. It is in Williamsburg. Yeah, oh, it's so we're like right here. Okay, we'll go. Okay, <laughs> we'll go there next. <laughs> All right. You guys go to Four Horsemen. And then for you guys who are listening, go stop by and see Rachel Lowe at Spiaggia and Cafe Spiaggia in Chicago next time you're around. They have an outstanding wine list. And as you can tell, Rachel is an awesome person as well. Uh, thanks so much uh, for our engineer today, who was Vitor Hirsch. Uh, David is on vacation, probably drinking some great wine. Uh, I don't know if that's true at all, but um, uh, I know he's not in the studio today. And thanks for everyone at Heritage Radio Network. This has been In the Drink. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please 
Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.